So I can still remember uh, the first time that I broke 30 minutes riding my bike up the old freeway. Um, now, that might not mean much to you, um, but it was a deal to me. It was the 28th of May, 2011, um, when I was a bit younger and a bit fitter and a bit thinner than I am today. Um, but for those of you who don't know, um, there's, uh, when, you, when you turn right at the top of Cross Road to go up the freeway, um, just at the toll gate, uh, there's a bike track that starts. And there's a bike track that winds its way up alongside the freeway uh, all the way up to Crafers. Um, it's, uh, it's about nine k's long. Um, it's pretty much the longest uh, single climb that you can do anywhere in Adelaide. Um, and uh, there are, there are like apps and software programs that will track the time that you ride up there. And there's a sort of magic mark that's 30 minutes. Um, if you can get from the toll gate to Crafers uh, all uphill in 30 minutes, um, it's pretty decent going. And I wanted to do that. And on the 28th of May 2011, I did it. Um, I was just, I was completely spent at the top. It was a hard thing to do, but it was just something for me. Um, and it's not, it's actually not that big a deal. Lots of people have done it. Um, it takes some work and some training, but you know, but it was something that for me had become sort of a bit of a goal. But you know, it was something I really wanted to do. I, I'd sort of, I'd seen those times, you know, there's leaderboards of all this stuff, and I'd seen that that time, that benchmark. I thought. If I could get there, that's something I really wanted to do. And I, I kind of trained and I rode and, you know, my time slowly, slowly came down. And, uh, and on that day, I did it for the first time. And my guess is that you've had a similar sort of experience in your life, maybe not on a bike. Um, but there's something about all of us, isn't there, that, that is sort of drawn to a challenge. You know, we, we, there's, there's, something, there's something about most people that gets... Uh, I don't know, a thrill, something on the inside out of having some sense of mission and achieving that thing. Maybe it's your team making the finals. Uh, maybe it's achieving your budget at work. Maybe it's, uh, you know, it's getting to your weight goal or, uh, or um, you know, setting a certain time on your, uh, on your local run. Maybe it's getting certain grades in school. Um, maybe it's, it's getting your first house or, or, you know, saving up for a holiday. There's something about going, you know, there's, there's a sense of call, you might call it, you know, a sense of call in my life, you know, here's something I want to do and setting yourself and achieving that, isn't there? It's just something about, about, about all of us that way. Um, there's a quote that I like that says, uh, show me a man or a woman with a mission and I'll show you someone who's tougher to beat. Show me a man or a woman with a mission and I'll show you someone who's tougher to beat. We're in a series uh, where we're exploring what God thinks about us. Because we always wonder what other people think of us, don't we? You know, what do our friends think? What do my family think? What does my boss really think about me? But what does God really think about you? Because in churches, we spend a lot of time talking about what we think about God. But what does God think about us? And I've had this question we've started each week. We'd said, you know, if I could take God out for a coffee and I could mention your name and say, hey, what does God think about, you know, God, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that girl? What will God say? And we've already heard God saying things like, you are my child. You're loved. You're unique. And to be honest, most of those things sound pretty nice, don't they? I mean, even if you're, even if you're watching this, whatever, even if you're not uh, a believer in Jesus, if you don't follow Jesus, um, words like uh, loved and unique and you're my child, they're kind of nice words. 
But today I want to explore something today that is maybe not quite as, you know, as nice, maybe not quite as comfortable, maybe something that's a little bit more challenging. And that's when God says about each of us, you are called. You are called. You know, if you were if you were to open your Bible and just start sort of skimming the stories from the beginning, you would notice that in almost every story, almost every sort of hero, every character in the Bible, there's some sense of call in their life. There's some sense of God calling them from something or calling them to something in their life. God calls Abraham to leave his home and to go to another country to birth a new nation. God calls Noah to build an ark to save humanity. God calls Moses to lead his people, to lead a nation out of slavery and into freedom. God calls David to lead a country. There's Esther and Gideon and Deborah and Nehemiah and Joshua. Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. Jesus calls Paul and gives him a mission to go and to share with the whole world the good news of Jesus. And I want to tell you today, as clearly as I can, that God is calling you too. That the idea of God calling people, that's not reserved for special people or for spiritual people. God just doesn't call smart people. God just doesn't call adults. God just doesn't call especially good people. That God has a call for every person who follows him. Every person. And if you're sitting here today, if you're watching this online, if you're a person who said yes to Jesus in your life, then that means you. You have the call of God on your life. God accepts everyone. We said all the time in this church, God accepts everyone, whatever you've done, whatever, you, whatever you're sort of doing, wherever you are in life, God accepts us just the way that we are. But he doesn't leave us that way. God is calling all of us out of a life of sin and selfishness and he's calling us toward a life of service and sacrifice. He's calling you and I into a life that would change the world in the name of Jesus. That's the primary call of God on the life of every believer. To be part of God, what God is doing in the world is not something that we sit here and we watch other people doing. It's not something we hear stories about. This is the call of God on the life of every person who would follow him. To be part of this mission, if you like. That's our personal challenge. That's the thing that ought to be before all of us that we'd say, okay, I'm setting my life to do that. Jesus explained it this way. Matthew 28, Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Matthew tells us that these are Jesus' Final words on earth. Jesus is uh, executed by crucifixion. Three days later, he rises again. 
And Jesus spent, a lot of people don't realise this, um, but after Jesus' resurrection, he walked around and taught and hung out with people for about 40 days after then. It wasn't like he wasn't resurrected and then disappeared. 40 days, Jesus taught and hundreds and hundreds of people saw the resurrected Jesus. And right at the end of that time, Jesus gathered his 11 disciples, as they were then, and he took them aside, he took them up onto a mountain, and he spoke these words to them. I often think, this is like, uh, uh, if you're sort of into football or sport, this was Jesus' three-quarter time speech. You know, this was the like, I'm going now, right? This is what you've got to do. In fact, if you've got a, a, a Bible or on a, you know, a Bible on a device, often there's a title that's written above this part of Scripture, and often it's titled, The Great Commission. I mean, that, that wasn't anything that Jesus said. That's when people put together the Bible and they, you know, they put some headings to explain what you were reading. This part of the Bible is often called the Great Commission. But it could also be called like the ultimate calling. This, this is Matthew saying, this is Matthew saying, the last thing that Jesus said to us before he left were these words. He gave us this mission. He gave us this calling. He said, this is what your lives ought to be about. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus for. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter if you don't have a job. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what skills or talents or gifts. It doesn't matter what kind of a public speaker you are. It doesn't matter you know, whether you're a, an introvert or an extrovert. None of that matters. This is your calling as a follower of Jesus. This is the mission that you're on. This is the mission that I'm on. When God looks at you... He says, you are called. Now, sometimes, sometimes people hear a more specific call from God on their lives. Sometimes people hear or feel or sense or maybe it's someone else speaking to them in their life and they get a, a really specific sense of call on their life. Maybe they feel called to a specific job. Sometimes you'll hear, uh, you know, pastors or preachers or people who do what I do saying that, you know, they do this because they felt called. The God sort of uh, came to them in some way and said, I want you to do this. Sometimes uh, people feel called to a specific uh, ministry or charity or organisation and they say, I'm involved with this organisation. I just felt called to do this. Sometimes people feel called to a particular group of people. You know, you sometimes hear people say, you know, we, we moved house into this area or we moved house overseas because we felt like God was calling us to live amongst these people, to be followers of Jesus amongst this people group. Sometimes you hear people saying, I feel called to a particular place. My family and I have spent a lot of time in Thailand and that's because we feel a sense of call there. 
It's not that Thailand's any more special than any other part of the world, but we feel that's a place that God's called us to be a Christian influence in Thailand. And I want to say this morning, while all of those unique calls are unique, right? You know, they're all, they're all kind of different. There are two things that I can tell you about the call of God on your life. Because there are two things that are common to any call that people feel from God. Number one, God's call is always to serve his purposes. God's call is always about him. It's never about you. And secondly is God's call is always away from comfort and toward challenge. That's why I told you this part of what God thinks of us is not as kind of nice and warm and furry as some of the other things we've talked about. God's call is always about him. It's never about you. And it's always away from comfort and toward challenge. God's call is always toward his purposes, toward that great commission. And I say this because sort of weirdly, in our kind of me first world, I sometimes hear people talking about the call of God on their life like it's about them. You know, God, God, I'm in this job because God wanted to give me this job. You know, God, God wanted to, you know, we're taking a holiday because we just felt God called us on a holiday. You know, we, we, we bought this car or this whatever, you know, because God was calling us to buy this thing. I want to say as gently but as firmly as it, God's call is never about you. It's always about him. There are so many stories in the, in the Bible, so many examples of this in the Bible. But I think one of the best ones is in the life of John. John lived at the same time that Jesus did. He was actually Jesus' cousin. Um, and John was a spiritual leader like Jesus was. Um, in fact, his, uh, his sort of ministry, his work started a little bit before Jesus. So when, when Jesus uh, started speaking publicly and, and started telling people about the things of God, John had already been on the scene, had already been doing that. And so John had followers, just the same as Jesus had followers. In fact, John was, was really the first person that would point to Jesus in a public way and say, hey, listen to this guy. This guy is from God, and God's got something special to say to you through this man. I want, to listen, I want you to listen to this story from John's life. Um, they, talking about some of John's followers, they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you uh, on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, the one that you talked about, um, look, he's baptising people and everyone's going to him. And to this John replied, a person can receive only what's given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. A couple of verses later, he says, The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. Part of John's ministry was to baptise people. And this story happens at a day when John is down at a river, probably the River Jordan, and he's baptising people in water, sort of similar to the way that we baptise people today, if you've seen that happen in church. 
And it just happens that on this day, Jesus is at the same river and he's baptizing people too. And John's followers kind of see that Jesus baptized. And Jesus has a bigger crowd, right? He has a longer line of people waiting to be baptized than John's does. John does. And John's followers are like, hey, John, Jesus is over there. You know, that guy that you talked about, we heard you talk about it. He's over there and he's got a bigger crowd. What they're really saying is, do you want us to do something about that? Should we like make up some banners, you know, baptism over here? You know, should we go and get some, maybe some free food, do a little sausage sizzle or something? You know, because he's got a bigger crowd than us. What do you want us to do so that we can get the bigger crowd? And John says to them, he says, you know what? He says, you can only, his words are, a person can only receive what's given to them from heaven. In other words, I'm only doing what God's sent me to do. And then he gives them this sort of analogy or this metaphor. He says, um, he says like, if you're, uh, if you're attending someone at a wedding, like if you're a groomsman at a wedding, you know that the wedding's not about you, right? It's about the bride and the groom. And a groomsman, when a groomsman hears that the groom has arrived, they have a joy within them because they know that the purpose of that day is not them, it's to celebrate the groom. And he says, I'm like that. He says, that joy is mine. That same sense of joy, hey, the groom's here. That joy is mine and it is now complete. In other words, it's kind of all wrapped up. It's come to fullness. And he's got this great line. He must become, talking about Jesus, he must become greater and I must become less. Jesus is making it, uh, John's making it absolutely clear that his ministry, that his sense of calling was not about him. It was actually always about Jesus. That actually his main purpose wasn't to do what he, what, what he was doing. It was to point to Jesus. It was to prepare the way, to make the way for Jesus. And I want to say to you today, whatever Jesus is calling you to, there is one thing for certain his call on your life is always ultimately about him and not about you jesus call is never give me this make me a success make me famous you know kind of set me up now that doesn't mean that god's call on our lives isn't fun right doesn't mean that it's not energizing it doesn't mean that sometimes there aren't if you're like benefits for us, do you know what I mean? That, that we don't, we don't, when we throw ourselves into the mission of God, that we don't get something out of it. I'm just trying to be as clear as I can that, that the purpose of God's call in our life, the purpose of God's word in our life, calling us to him, calling us to his mission is always about him. It's never about us. That's the first thing I know about your call. The second thing I know is this is that God always calls us away from comfort and toward challenge. God's call always begins with go. It always begins with move, with change, with take a risk, with step out, with trust 
me. I mean, you could pick just about anyone in the Bible, just about any story in the Bible, and see this at work. Abraham was called to start a new nation. Well, that sounds like a great thing, doesn't it? Did you think about it? Abraham had to leave his extended family, his friends. He left his whole country. He would never return. He had to leave it. He left with nothing to go, well, almost nothing, just like what he could carry with him to go and follow God's call on his life. Moses led his people out of slavery and into freedom. But you know, to do that, he had to go and confront the most powerful man in the world and tell him he was wrong. You know, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he could have had Moses executed with one word. Just a kind of a point of his finger and it was over. David was called to be king. That sounds like a great call, doesn't it? You know, king, ruler of the people. David spent most of his life, literally most of his life, running from people who were trying to kill him. At one point, he's running from his own son who wants to kill him. Jesus' disciples. Sometimes you read the Bible and you think, oh, how good would it have been to be one of Jesus' disciples? You know, to be right there and hear it. Jesus' disciples had no money. As best we can tell, they never owned property. They owned just about nothing. Almost every one of them was murdered or executed by the government because they believed in Jesus. Listen to the way that God called Paul. The Lord said to Ananias, Ananias was a a man that God spoke through to talk to Paul, to, to kind of put a call on Paul's life. God, the Lord said to Ananias, go. There's that word again, go. This man, talking about Paul, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Well, there's a call you don't want to hear on your life, is it? <laughs> I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You know, Paul hasn't done anything, hasn't even started to do anything, and God's word to him is, get prepared to suffer. God never calls anyone to an easy, comfortable life. He always calls people to go and to give and to serve and a sacrifice. His call is always away from comfort and toward challenge. But I want to tell you, his call is always worth it. His call is always worth following. So what does God think about you? He looks at you and he says, you are my child. He looks at you and he says, you are loved. He looks at you and he says, you are unique. And he looks at you and he says, you are called. You are called to live a life that might never be be sort of be, be famous or be wealthy or be, be any of that stuff by, by kind of human standards, by the standards of this world. But you are called to make, to live a life 
that would make an impact in the lives of people for Jesus. In that sense, you are called to change the world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, this is your calling. This is the calling of every person who says yes to following Jesus. Everything that we are called to, anything spoken into your life, any sense of call spoken into your life, sits under that calling. Does that make sense? It is always a part of achieving that goal, that mission. And maybe some of you will hear a more specific call in your life. Not everyone does. And that's totally fine. But maybe some of you will. But wherever God calls you, whatever he calls you to, we know this, that God's call on your life will always be about his purposes, not yours. And it will always be away from comfort and toward growth and toward change and toward challenge. And anyone who's been on this path for a while will tell you the call of God on your life is not easy. It's not always comfortable. It's not always, you know, kind of nice. But man, it is always worth it. Following God's call on your life is always the path to living your best life. It's a phrase we use a lot now, isn't it? You know, I'm living my best life. I don't know a lot about you. I don't know a lot about God's call on you, but I can guarantee you this. Following the call of God on your life, following the path that he sets before you is always the path to you living your best life. Always. That's the good news. That's the good news of what God thinks about you. 